Hello and welcome back to the Sophos Naked Security Podcast. I'm Anna Brady and I'm here with Sophos experts Mark Stockley. Hi. Greg fido Hi Bradley. Oh, no, I don't like You don't that. like it? No. Oh, okay. No, just mm-hmm. I'm the one that makes up the games. You make up the games. Not and me. Al is on the mic. Ali Rouge on mic four. <laughs> the podcast producer, Alice, has secured herself a mic again. I don't know how that happens, Alice. It's almost as if you're in control of these things. I know. Peter shuffled over and said that he was dealing with a live incident, had meetings and couldn't do it today. And I, I didn't fight him on it, actually. Did you? <laughs> you said <laughs> I said, no problem, Peter, because I've already actually um, taken your mic. And you said, duck. Don't worry about being on the podcast I said, today. Duck, I know you're busy. <laughs> I know you're really busy. Well, I expect some really insightful security-related chat from you, Alice. I've got lots of insights to share with you all today, so cool. buckle in, get comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to Episode it. Episode 24. <laughs> now that was a power move. As usual, we've picked the top three stories from the week to discuss on the podcast. So coming up on today's show, I'll be talking about Tinder, Greg discusses the takedown of a leaky website, and Mark talks about how not to break bad news to your customers. But before all that... What? <laughs> Is, are those actually the top three stories? Oh. Aren't you missing one? No, I don't think so. I thought we could spend 45 minutes talking about the uh, Microsoft breach. <gasps> we can, but it's not going to make for a very exciting podcast, is it, Mark? I, I, we, so we talked about this before the podcast started. And so do you want to talk about the Microsoft story quickly, Mark? Quick, quickly. <laughs> Very quickly. No, I want to talk slowly. Just, okay, There's so a lot of detail in this story we could go into. <laughs> so 250 million records, we think. It was a customer support database that was left unsecured in the cloud. Same old story. I mean, it's unfortunate. But, but, but it was Microsoft. I know it was Microsoft, but... And it's, so it's big, and it does show that it could happen to anyone, but also it's happened to a lot of people. I just don't think there's a lot left to talk you about. You don't seem very excited about that story. I'm not very I'll be honest. That's so indicative of just the state we're in now. It's like every data breach is right? just like, ugh, apathy, bored, blah, yes. blah, blah, billions of records. I just don't think it's anyone normalized. feels like they've got any ownership over their mm. data anymore. I've got something that you might be excited oh. about. Yeah, I like okay. how you said that yeah. with no excitement. Yeah, yeah. I've got <laughs> That's something. just me all the time. I'm more excited way, than you, at least. Have you only just noticed that I'm never outwardly excited about anything? Yeah. That's anyway, true. I inwardly, yeah. I'm excited, and mm. I know Anna Braiding will be. Oh. Did you ever get a foot pick from the last <gasps> episode? <laughs> Do you know what? No. Oh. It comes to something when a robot won't take you back. Sure, we can sort you out with one if you need one. I don't want your pictures, Greg. You have to stop <laughs> sending me pictures. I can pictures. feet from <laughs> other places other than my own feet. I was thinking, maybe if you gave out your mobile number on the podcast, oh, then, sure. it's then, then our <laughs> listeners could just send you pictures of their feet. Oh, my God. Please don't let that happen. Don't tweet me any. Don't tweet me any pictures of your feet. Alice. Yeah, she doesn't want feet. I don't want feet. If anyone takes me a picture of their feet, I'll feel a bit sick. I just wanted... AI-generated feet. That's all I wanted. And they didn't reply, okay? Well, let's all get over it. I feel fine about the fact that I was rejected by a robot. Um, we should say thank you to friend of the show, Anthony Merry, who, after listening to the Christmas show, sent us some uh, Tobrone, didn't he? He did, this yeah. very exciting. So now, I think we now... So if anyone has missed that episode... I think I was stammering and saying a load of nonsense about how many pieces of Toblerone you can fit in your mouth because mm. it, it's a it's a very useful chocolate. Are we talking about a big Toblerone or a small Toblerone? It's a big well, one, annoyingly, that we've got. Uh, and were you talking about a little one? Well, it doesn't really matter. It's just because it's in that nice kind of segmented thing. You could definitely find out how many bits of Toblerone you get in your mouth. And we will be doing that later, Greg. Are we really? <laughs> so when you say we were sent some Toblerone... Oh. Um, uh, Mark, I if you I couldn't help noticing. <laughs> when you say we... I don't, if you're Where's not, my Toblerone? If you're not part of the chat, you don't get it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you didn't you didn't contribute enough in that podcast, so you don't get a Toblerone. You need to talk to Anthony. Anthony. <laughs> Can I have a Toblerone? Can I have a Toblerone as well, please? <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, if anyone else has listened to the podcast and would like to send us food stuffs or so on, yeah, please do. We'll take them. How, yeah, many, we'll take it. how many peaks do you reckon you can fit? In how many mouth? peaks of Toblerone can I fit? Well, preemptively. I don't yeah. want to put any money on this, but you know, I'm thinking... I'd say at least five. Do you reckon? I think I could do five. Oh, could, oh my I God, only... five big pieces of Toblerone <laughs> in your mouth. I think I could only maybe do three. Eh. Of course, width ways. Hang on, what do you mean? Are we talking oh. depth ways or width ways? <laughs> we didn't weird. ascertain this. Let's move on. All right, next. <laughs> I've got a... <laughs> we need like a musical interlude just for that. Anyway. <laughs> I've got an update on the, uh, on the are our phones listening to us? Um, they're not. Yeah, Part, they are. Just for the avoidance of doubt. No, they're not. Part yeah, they two, Mark. I'm just going to find it. Is this further proof in the form of 
sparse anecdotes. So, yes. I know someone who was talking about a thing and then an indeterminate period of time passed and then the thing appeared in their web browser. Yes. Proof. So, I'm ignoring what you're saying. So, um, unfortunately this week my son was struck by chicken pox. Oh, no. I know. But he's all right. But, however, I have told my family this. And my sister, who has not Googled it or not put anything into her computer about this, right. was surfaced a uh, post on Facebook from the BMJ, British, Me- British Medical Journal, and it says adults who are exposed to a child with chickenpox in the home are 30% less likely to develop shingles over 20 years. And it's a post, it's a sponsored post. Ah. What do we think about that, Mark? So what you're saying is that you put the idea of chickenpox in someone's mind... And then they noticed the chickenpox ad that they'd previously not noticed. Do you? What about the other members of your family that they told that you told? Did they also see chickenpox ads? I don't know if the rest of them follow the BMJ. My sister's in the business. Seems a bit selective. Well, I'm just saying. They're not listening. <laughs> what can we? Maybe we should just talk about more chocolate and stuff. See if I get adverts for them, or see if. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but not Nestle. I want oh. some pro- high quality chocolate. Uh, let's do like Duffy's. Oh. Oh. Uh, Thornton's, happy with that. Oh, yeah. cho- chocolate have you had that? No. Tony's chocolate Can we keep repeating that word, though? That might work. Yeah, Tony's chocolate to okay. you. Hang on. Greg. Hello. Alice. Hi. Mark. Hi. Are you on Tinder? No, of course not. No, I'm not. I have ever been on Tinder. You have ever no been? Longer. Yeah, when oh. I'm newly single. Well, I was in a relationship for three and a half years, and I went on Tinder as a bit of a pass the time, get some attention activity. See what's around. Yeah, I went on a couple of dates. It was fun. But it's not something I would do for more than like two weeks when you're newly single. No, And everybody on there is doing that, by the way. <laughs> do you know who else, do you know who else a- is on Tinder? Duck. Oh, is he really? For research purposes. Ah. Mark, because you're old. Do you want me to explain what Tinder is quickly? Should we have a quick roundup? We'll start with the internet first. Oh, <laughs> oh sass, sass. I like sass. No, no, I want, I want Greg to explain the internet to me now. <laughs> Come on, then. So you know when you made you've got two yogurt pots and the string, right? Oh, I loved that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that, but way cooler. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so imagine the internet. That now you know what that is. Yep. And imagine the two yogurt pots are a lady and a man, or a man and a man, or a lady and a lady. Or and something in between, between. there's a an interface. and a lady, or, 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 or whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> it's there's, there's all kinds of stuff on Tinder. Hey, hey. It's 2020, we can do whatever me. we like. I'm okay. talking about what I saw on Anna's profile. Oh. <laughs> First of all, I think we should, uh, I need to thank Harry the intern who helped me with this story because I am not on Tinder. Alice, shh. Mm. Um, so it's probably the biggest dating app. You swipe right to uh, say that you like someone, and swipe left if you're not interested. If they're oh. a bit, bit not very, not very attractive. Didn't Don't look at me when you say that. <laughs> that was a Don't reflex. Oh. That was an accident. I'm sad that we've lost the bit where Greg talks about his friend who works in data science, and he's statistically less likely to get any matches because oh, you're deleting the audio. Yeah, but I love you know that it's bit. Like, I love like that bit. Greg. 0.8%. Oh. It's awful. Sorry, what's 0.8%? Most men, like, the actual swipe yeses on men is is tiny. Absolutely tiny. Sorry. Like, the... Like and Anna's Tinder profile is buzzing. <laughs> no, but, like, generally, like, in women in general will get... It's, like, way above 50%. Yeah, but you know that yeah, no one wants to dating in general, Greg. No, I know, I know. But, like, and when they've got this huge amount of men on it, it's a bit of a... But you know that no woman wants to receive that many swipes. I feel like I haven't finished explaining it to you, Mark. And I, I so I got, you know all the you lost me at yogurt pots. <laughs> so there's a man with a yogurt pot and a yep. lady with a yogurt pot. Swipe right for yes, swipe left for no. If okay. they swipe right too, you get a match. You can super like someone by swiping up. What happens if you get a match? Then you can start talking and oh okay. Then you have to get right. married. One thing leads to another, Mark. You end up you know when a man what, loves what a woman in very a very much. Oh, okay. Something about bees. What if you're oh. already in the pub? Uh, you go to another pub? I don't know. I think we're getting too... There's too many details here, Mark. Um, you can swipe up for a super like, but you can only get one of those a day. A super like? Yes, that means you really, like really, someone. really, 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 really like that person. Okay. Alice probably gets loads of them. When I was on Tinder, mm. I was uh, an acquirer of super likes. Were you a Tinder Plus member? Absolutely not. So if, Sorry, you're, a tin- if you're a Tinder Plus member... Paid you get profile. Ex- you, yeah, so you get an extra... F- Four super likes, but you also get a passport to swipe around the world in case dating in your own area isn't good enough. 
You can date people in Guatemala. <laughs> people and in as Sydney. I mentioned, most people or most females are on there for a very short amount of time when they're nearly single to pass the time because they get inundated. So I wouldn't pay for Tinder Plus. Well, well you I could also for pay for Tinder Plus, guys. It's a fantastic <laughs> thing. Maybe maybe having no opinion about paid services would be the safest thing. I don't have any opinion on paid dating apps. <laughs> certainly not Tinder. You can pay for. You can even go a step further and pay for Tinder Gold higher than Tinder Plus, which is where you get all those features, but you also get top picks, which I can only imagine is sort of like an Amazon-style recommend. Like, you've liked this book, you might like this one, you like this person. This person has a score of 4.9 from a 1,000 reviews. Users also dated, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And also, it's probably the most popular profile, so they're also going to be the least likely to engage with you because they're going to be inundated. Yes. It's like all the hotties are going to be the top picks, aren't they? Unless, I don't know, yeah, probably. I don't know how they, they would do be it. The most how popular. do they do it, Alice? Well, from when I was a Tinder Gold customer. <laughs> so onto the story. This is uh, this is just a bit of background for you, Mark. So this is just explaining how dating has been simplified by the internet. Yes. Mm. Yes. Optimized. Um, optimized. <laughs> Made incredibly efficient. Exactly. So everyone's swiping on Tinder to their heart's content. But what happens to the images that people are uploading? Hang on. I hear you say. <laughs> is this going to be a story? Is, is something happening to the images that people who put the images on there weren't expecting to happen to the images? Specifically, 70,000 of those images mm. and 16,000 user IDs. Unique Tinder user IDs. Um, researcher Aaron Devera discovered a collection of them online. Um, so, was Tinder hacked? That's the question. No, don't think so. Maybe this is some kind of super duper like. <laughs> if you super super like, super like, you get your picture really plastered all over the internet. You can you can like any seventy thousand people you like. <laughs> Possibly, but it's not seventy thousand people because it's probably fewer than that because people upload more than one picture. Oh. Alice, how many did you upload? I uploaded hundreds of pictures, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Were they ones of you, like, stroking a pet? Or Whoa! Like... <laughs> Were any of them of you? Yeah. Oh. Were you pouting in any of them? Mine would have just been, like, a standard profile picture scenario. But I'm intrigued, Greg, because you don't haven't had your picture taken in about 20 years. So what pictures did you put on Tinder? I haven't been on Tinder for uh, many, many years. About 20 years. Seven years old, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Tinder? I'm not sure. I mean, I went on it a long time ago. But yeah, mine would have been a picture of me travelling, a picture of me with a cocktail. Oh God! Right, stop it, stop friend. it now, stop <laughs> it now. We're all bored. So Devira said that in their testing, they managed to retrieve their own profile pictures outside the context of their app. So they hypothesised that the perpetrator of the data dump may well have done the same on an automated scale, rather than Tinder itself being hacked. So are we talking about scraping here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that sound more plausible? Do we think than Tinder actually being hacked? I mean, presumably, if Tinder was hacked, it would be a lot more images. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly going to have to throw them on like a content distribution network or something, mm. right, for their app. For, otherwise, it would be really, really sluggish. Mm. So I imagine I imagine it's like most other services. It'll have some randomized string of text, which is mm. the image, so that it's not easy to, what you could call, iterate. Like, they're not going to have photo 01, photo yeah. 02, photo 03, because you can iterate through that. Whereas if each one's just a random name, like, yeah. which they just <laughs> randomly generate. Say again. Yeah, it's going to... <laughs> That's uh, different. Yeah. It'd be a bit of an amusing game if somebody could actually type in the URL that you just... <laughs> just face, you know, face... See who's Tinder picture comes up. Smash your face into the keyboard, see what you get. <laughs> anyway, so why would anyone want these images? It could be for facial recognition, do we think? Mm. Possible? Oh, what, for training facial training. recognition? Yeah, so yeah, in, yeah. in 2017, a researcher got hit by a DMCA takedown notice. So his company, which was actually bought by Google, I can't remember, Kaggle or something... Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they scraped 40,000 Tinder images to better train the facial recognition. But the researcher uploaded the script to GitHub and released the Im- images under Creative Commons. And Whoops. Got, yeah, got they hit did by not have DMCA. the rights to do that. No, not cool. Would people also be potentially stealing them to use on other dating sites as a scammer? Well, so that's should... a really good question, Alice. Thank you. Well done. Uh, yes, potentially. I mean, it's a good... I mean, you could say that people could just deepfake it, but when you deepfake an image, you just get in one image, whereas if you've got yeah. a collection of Alice's images, I can yeah. pretend to and be... And access to social media and stuff, you could actually pretend to be that person. Exactly, yeah. And Tinder is um, closed, so you can't easily do a reverse image lookup. So, yeah. Interesting. We don't know why, basically. It was but. just usernames and images. User ID user and ID. images. So don't think usernames. So user ID, a user ID could just generally be like an ID number, yeah. like 0843P. Yeah. Oh, presumably number, it's, well, you, it could be that it's 70,000 images belonging to those 16,000 people, but, but yeah, there's nothing to identify them with. Yeah, it probably is. 
So the question is, Alice, how is this going to affect small businesses? <laughs> you know I am the advocate for a small business. Owner. I think you could be the advocate for a Tinder for a Tinder data as well. I could be, but I'm not a Tinder data. Although I did get access to Harry the intern's Tinder profile and give it a bit of a um, I, I can't think of a word. I was going to say zhuzh. Yeah. Overhaul. An overhaul. I mean, it did just say I Harry the intern. It said, <laughs> yeah, there was very sparse info on there, and I didn't really add anything to be honest. Poor Harry I the just intern. had a good old perv on his matches and oh. his, his inbox. Yeah. <laughs> Anything interest that we want to share on a public platform? Else? I'll tell you afterwards. Okay. <laughs> so I won't really harry your secrets are safe with me. <laughs> so Danny, who writes for Naked Security, contacted Tinder, who gave the following statement. It's a violation of our terms to copy or use any members' images or profile data outside of Tinder. We work hard to keep our members and their information safe, blah, 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 blah. So what can be done? <laughs> Again, you don't sound terribly impressed with that. <laughs> I'm surprised. Oh, well, it's just—I mean, I can say it all, but it's, it's just basically slightly boilerplatey. Yes, possibly. Um, they are working on implementing new best practices and measures to make it more difficult for anyone to commit a violation like this. I think it's going to be nigh on impossible to stop. I yeah. mean, any time you let a user access the app and view profiles, they can see the image. So yeah. you can yeah. pull the image off that way. I imagine that's possibly how they got them in the first place. Yeah. So, so basically, if you're going to use the app you're at risk of this happening. This I think it's just not- expect if you put a picture on a, this is a public platform, right? Yeah. You know, if you put images on there, because I, mean, I don't know if this is true, you used to put it on Facebook and you'd pull them in from Facebook in the old days. Don't know if they've changed that. Can you put Yeah, now you put, just upload a Put them into the app to you. Yeah. yeah. But so if you put information in the public domain, it might get stolen and put in a huge big lump of data. Yeah. But the, but the issue here is what people think the public domain is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, if we go back to your earlier uh, conversation about how the internet works. <laughs> the yoga part. I think most people, obviously, <laughs> most people don't understand how things tend to work, mm. and they shouldn't have to understand how right. things tend to work. Mm-hmm. But um, it means that, yeah, I mean, this, there was something similar was uh, happened to LinkedIn years ago, and you know, people create their profile on LinkedIn, mm. uh, and there's a lot of money in third-party companies going and scraping all of the data from all of the LinkedIn profiles because it's a fantastic public mm. database. I do always worry about with LinkedIn because it is so much information that you give on there about everywhere that you've ever been employed and things like that. But actually, you're putting all sorts of information into all sorts of different places. Yeah. And it, for me, it's the disconnect between what you think is happening to your data and what mm. is actually happening to your data. Because in, in some situations, it's very clear that the expectation that something will be private. But in mm. lots and lots of situations... um you may be putting data somewhere into an app or onto a website thinking that only a few people are going to see it or some kind of... I've got know. an idea about how to fix that. You can write um, a little thing in your in your status box about how it's your own private data and then <laughs> <laughs> and then it doesn't get taken. Do people do that? Oh, is this it's a hoax? Oh, um... uh, I bombed. All right. So Devira did have a suggestion about something that could be done. I don't know what you think. So he suggested that sites like Tinder use things such as time to live tokens or uniquely generated session cookies. What do you think? I mean, if you could convince Tinder to do something about it, sure. But there's nothing that anyone can do themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think the best thing here would be to understand that when you put stuff on something like Twitter, oh, sorry, Twitter, Tinder. Um, <laughs> or Twitter. Well, I, but it's the kind of images that people go, ooh, I'm going to put the ones where I look all sexy and alluring on Tinder because you think, because it's you? just on Tinder. I don't. There's no such thing as a sexy photo of me, thank you. Uh, there really isn't. But, um, <laughs> oh, I'll take one. How? I don't know. Let's, I don't do, know, yeah. let's take one in the studio for, after. Uh, right. A really wide angle lens. <laughs> With a Toblerone. Oof. But, um... People, maybe, maybe we could get an AI, like the feet AI. It can oh, just yeah. like churn out. That could be what's happening. You're trying yeah. to make, make more fake faces. But I, I think when people put images on something like Tinder, they assume that it's kind of a separate private little garden. They put maybe some of their sexier yeah. pics on there, but they're not recognising that actually all of those could be plucked out and made for the whole world to see. But people yeah. should be mindful of that. Like on Instagram, if you have a private Instagram account and you put loads of pictures of you like on holiday or they're a bit more provocative or whatever and you think, okay, but only my friends and family that I've accepted can see that. Not my mine, by the way. Mine's dull. Um, but on Tinder, you are actually, I know it's really dull. Um, on Tinder, you are actually like available to anybody in the geographic yeah. area. So I don't think anybody should expect their stuff is private. But I think people might because it's... if it's. It, 
they're expecting only people that swipe on them to see it, aren't they? They're not expecting it to then be uploaded to, a, yeah. to the internet and, and anyone be able to access it. I've just remembered, actually, that I think you can choose to only be discoverable by a certain gender and age. So actually you are kind of yeah, you limiting think who you think can yeah. see it. Instagram's kind of an interesting example as well. Uh, do you remember a few years ago we wrote a story about some internet archivists, in inverted commas, yeah. who were downloading all the public information they could oh, yeah. find from Instagram? And so even there, I think, you know, people think they're uploading public profiles to Instagram, but they think that they're going to be uh, found and experienced in the context of the Instagram app. Yeah. So if some archivist comes along and just slurps up all the data and puts it in a giant database, uh, it's suddenly it's divorced from that context and that isn't what the users had in mind. And I can't think how or why they would imagine when they're uploading mm. that information some random person is going to come along and download it yeah, all and right. stick it in a giant yeah, trove of yeah. data. Or you should also consider, so imagine, yeah, you've put some saucy pics on, on Tinder and they've all been downloaded, mm. that there are other app developers out there and so on that are trying to make a dating app and there's always a very heavy skew towards a large you know, amount of male users and a very small amount of female users might create a bunch of fake profiles. Mm, so this yeah. kind of imagery could be taken and loaded into a different app. That may be, I mean, that's well, your identity's been stolen, that's one thing, but that might not be a major concern until you end up in a relationship and then someone says, well, how come you're on this other app and you don't want to find yourself in some awkward situations? Well, or even yeah. in a professional situation, if like five years ago on Tinder, there was a sexy pic of me on there, which oh. there wasn't, Anna, I'm sorry. No. Now, like I could be, mm. someone could be matching with me from Sophos thinking yeah. that that's my profile, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, so be careful what you upload to the internet. Be careful, guys. Date safely. Fido. Hey, hey. Can you, oh, I like that. Can we talk? <laughs> can you might be saying words twice. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> Anna, Anna. Fido, Fido. Talk to us about WeLeakInfo.com. Ooh, okay. So we've had yet another fun uh, service that's been taken down. So the FBI seized the domain for a website known as weleakinfo.com. They basically sold uh, breach data records, right? right so your okay. kind of personal identifiable information. Uh, and there's been this kind of multinational effort from multiple law enforcement agencies to take down the site. Have um, they not heard of the dark web? <laughs> who we like. They the had a .com. Hey, Doc, hey, we good... sell breached data. Some people can't be on tour. I mean, tour's <laughs> a bit of a nightmare, right? You know, at least with .com, it's sort of easy for people to find. If you yeah, want to get like, a big who amount is? of users, yeah. make it public. I mean, they clearly, I mean, clearly it wasn't the smartest of businesses anyway, right? Selling stolen data. How um, will we ever find out yeah. who is behind this website? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I found out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, going by the timeline, it seems it was pretty quick. But yeah, like according to the FBI and I think it was the District of Columbia that got involved in this, they'd found this, that this website, weleakinfo.com, had harvested 12 billion, with a B, right? 12 billion Good. records from over 10,000 different data breaches. Wow. And they included people's names, their email addresses, users names, phone numbers, passwords, and more. And this kind of aggregated all this data from uh, from websites like Chegg.com, StockX, DubSmash, MyFitnessPal, all the big kind of data breaches, and they had everything on their website. You say big say, data breaches, but I hadn't heard of the first three. Is they, that just me? I mean, I don't know. There's there's tons of, I think there's yeah, others yeah. on there. They're the ones that have been identified and still being told about. that is a lot. If you've got with 12 billion records, a quarter yeah. of them are Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> But, but this all begins back in April 2017. Um, at least that's when the Internet Archive's Wayback Machine first indexed their website. I quite enjoyed what they were advertising themselves as. There's the most extensive private database search engine. So wow. interesting. And they, they ran subscription services on this. So really? you could pay like a subscription to get access to their data breach platform to query it. And you could do like wildcard searches. So if you want to do, uh, I want to find anyone at Yahoo, for instance, you know, yahoo.com or whatever, you could just do star at yahoo.com and it would let you find all those records. Oh, wow. So certainly designed for really mining that data. Sometimes you have to sort of grudgingly acknowledge the brazenness <laughs> yeah. with which... Some people operate, don't you? Check this out. So they, they even offered, uh, my favourite one is you could subscribe for 24 hours for $2. Oh. So if you wanted to go in and get some data, only $2. So they recognised people might only want to go in, do a quick you know check for something and pop out. So interesting business model. They don't need to be on there for model. a long period of time. Yeah. I'm just yeah. thinking about whether or not you could write an engine that scrapes the database in 24 hours. I reckon you probably, if you've got really? the guys who did the Tinder breach <laughs> and they went to this website and they paid $2 and then their spider gets in there and yeah. You'd probably get all the records out. 
Well, we can co we'll come back to that because there's still an interesting thing about where the data came from. Um, but yeah, what so what we had was the I think it's the UK's National Crime Agency, the NCA. They sort of started the investigation on this back in August 2019, so only a few months back mm. last year. Um, and they it supposedly they kind of got involved because they spotted credentials from this site being used in cyber attacks in the UK, Germany, and the US. But Here's the here's the bit I always I'm kind of confused about. It's like, but this was public data breaches. How were they able to say, oh, it's this site and it's these credentials that and it, from this place that's being used in these attacks? When you know the MyFitnessPal data breach was public. I mean that mm. information's thrown into HaveIBeenOwned.com as well. So it's intriguing how this all began and how these this service has been identified. I'm not going to mention any other services, but there's a lot of other ones that are still live. There's like a .eu domain, there's .rus. Um, so this isn't the only service yeah, that does this. It's just aggregating publicly leaked data that's available on BitTorrent, on the dark web, on forums. So it's interesting how the angle is like, they're saying that these guys, were the, it was credentials from their service that's inspired them being investigated. Do you think, do you think they ever lie about that stuff? Like <laughs> the NCA and the FBI? Do you think they ever sat around going... Well, obviously, we're not going to reveal the secret oh, yeah. source that led to this amazing criminal. What should we tell them we did? Um, <laughs> well, looking at it, uh, I decided to do a little bit of a poke, and it looked like their domain records were all hosted with Cloudflare, so they were behind the kind of Cloudflare system. Okay. Which is so they got on the phone to Cloudflare. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it seems like one of the silly mistakes they made was using a big public service. But all we know is that the domain's been taken down. We don't know where the back-end servers are. Because it was behind Cloudflare, we don't even know where they are, right? So we don't really but, know. But Cloudflare knew where they were. Oh, yeah, exactly. So And you can subpoena Cloudflare. And I, I think they're a U.S. registered company. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I imagine that was, they were low-hanging fruit. This group were just running a .com, which means they're registered on a, on a you know, a U.S.-hosted database. Um, it, the, all the pieces basically leading to them be, to be very easily targeted and taken down. So they've taken it down, but have they? What's happened to the people behind it? Do we know? So yeah, there was. So it looks like. I mean, there's quite a few agencies were involved. We have the Bundeskriminalamt. Oh, did I say that right? It's Bundeskriminalamt. Sorry, German. I'm, I'm going to say, 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 say no. no. I know. <laughs> Sorry to anyone that's German. I, I'm I am really German. bad at the concatenated a words. A quarter German. Yeah. Fantastic. Why Good for you. Are. Could the quarter that's German yeah, read out the thing that the just butchered? Um, but yeah, we had, you know, had the German, uh, the Federal Criminal Police Office in Germany. You had uh, the police services in Northern Ireland, in the Netherlands involved. You had the National Crime Agency, the FBI, District of Columbia. A lot of people got involved in this. Mm. And they all simultaneously launched like kind of this takedown. So I think it was 11.30 p.m. UK time on Wednesday, the 15th of January, which also coincides with like the last day any tweets came out from this group on Twitter. So it looks like they got everyone involved. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was two 20-year-old men, one from Northern Ireland and one from the Netherlands. So two people ran the service and it's and according to you know data that's been given out so far, they'd made around two hundred thousand pounds between them, which I think is about two hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Wow. That's some good money for effectively taking Literally stolen data, rope, yeah. throwing mm. it in a database and just charging people to just query it. You've got to give the law enforcement credit on this stuff. Yeah. They've got really good at cooperating. The number of international busts that you see now mm. where they credit all these different yeah, nations yeah. to at some level they've clearly figured out how to cooperate i remember when i first started with sophos there was an arrest uh, of a virus writer i think in thailand mm. um and there were no laws under which they could be charged in yeah. that country really um and it, so the situation has really evolved mm. quickly over the course of sort of 18 years well, we're a now at this point where Actually, it happens all the time. Okay, the FBI and the yeah. NCA and the, the it's, Netherlands. It's so important that they do it, right? Because there's yeah. no other way. You know, I could be, as a hacker, I could, like, use a VPN, turn up, you know, on the internet in Russia, using, uh, like, a Greek registrar and running my services on French servers. You can move all these pieces in so many different places that it can make it incredibly difficult to actually find who's running it or actually do them for any of these crimes because it's so globally distributed. Mm. And law enforcement isn't really. It's all really regionalized so this kind of yeah i mean kudos to the the enforcement agencies the fact they went from finding about this in august uh and then taking it down in a matter of months is i think it's pretty good and going actually even i was joking about it earlier but even if you can find the server that they're on that doesn't necessarily mean you can you can do something about it because yeah. of the jurisdiction it reminds me of uh when we were doing the samsam research uh we went and had a look at this web hosting company where we thought that samsam might be hosting their mm. website and it was literally like hosting for crooks. Yeah. You know, it was out there on the public internet 
And it didn't say hosting for crooks, but it did all the things. Like you could pay for your hosting account in about 50 different kinds of crypto coin. Mm -hmm. it, it had all the sort of bells and whistles that you would expect to see. Wow. And then if you, if you Googled that particular hosting company, you would see people recommending it in very dodgy places going, yeah, these guys are a good host for your, you know, that <laughs> illicit thing that you want to do. Wow. So they're, they're quite public and they're out there on the public internet did which... you say that was again mark <laughs> <laughs> What's your are you going to recommend that for your small business clients <laughs> i am yeah what kind of small businesses are these <laughs> i mean as always i dived onto reddit to check out the commentary on this to see what people are were you saying on reddit? am i on reddit yeah Maybe a little bit a little mentioned bit it, yeah never okay. mentioned it before not every episode reddit's what, amazing what uh what's what's your username it's a sec bug same as my twitter handle you can oh. find me i'm the moderator of the sophos subreddit Come hang out. Not the naked security one. I'm working on it. Okay, working good. with the Reddit mods on that one. Um, but yeah, so what, what's really interesting about their commentary was like how this is actually just a big hit for the cybersecurity industry because this was, I'm not saying I agree with them, by the way, but this was just an aggregation of publicly available information. Yeah. You know, the, the law enforcement haven't solved that problem, right? There's still, you know, countless other services you can go and get stolen data breaches on. There's, you know, they're, they're still regularly being dropped on various common forums where they've been turning up for years. So, you know, what's interesting is that what's happened is one service has been taken down, which had a kind of easy subscription model and at least made it available. And it looks like security people were using it. So it might not be it was entirely criminals using the service, but also security researchers who were trying to, you know, for instance, maybe do a security check on their company, you know, of any of our company records in data breaches. Um, kind of like haveibeenown.com and people using it to actually see what data maybe about their companies or, you know, uh, important individuals that they were trying to secure were involved. So who knows? It's an odd one. I think it's odd that of all the services to be taken down, it was this one, um, when there's so many others out there. Uh, I think we can just hope that this was just low-hanging fruit and there's more to come because there's certainly a lot more services that need but to be you, taken you down. you don't know what else those people may have done or mm. what else oh, yeah. might not be being discussed. And I think also, to their credit, again, the, the law enforcement, they have to take these down. They've got to Absolutely. try and prosecute these things yeah. just so that it's not an absolute free-for-all mm -hmm. and at least there's a question in people's minds if they want to go and do something like this, that they, they understand people do get arrested They're for this kind for the of chilling thing. effect, right? You know, and if it's a federal crime, <sighs> yeah, you know, they're, they're pretty serious punishments. Mm. So yeah, as always, we should try and give some upbeat and positive advice. So go I've, on, I've, I've made up some, sorry, I've got some very good, <laughs> accurate advice. Um, first one, I think you guys have said this so many times on the podcast, but use a unique password for every different website you use. And don't use like, I've seen this so many times, it'd be, imagine you're, you're, you're creating a Facebook password. Your password would be password123, Facebook. And then on, on Gmail, it's password123, Gmail. That doesn't work? I've seen people do this. That's not a unique password. Do you I need mean, to go and change your passwords? <laughs> well, mine's not. So mine's, it, not <laughs> mine's not different on each website. It Just should one. be. It should be. You should be randomised <laughs> if possible, especially if you're using a password manager, because that way, at least if your data does get breached, like usernames and passwords, it's going to limit the fallout. It means only one service is going to be able to be taken out, not everything that you use. And I know we always say this, and, and you'd expect everyone that's listening to know that, but I do know of one person in this building at least that says, yeah, yeah, I should change my passwords, but I, I've got a formula to them. And I won't the moment I hear a formula, it's like, yeah, cool, yeah. cool, cool, so they're predictable. Yeah. Excellent. There, if you need to get access to these kind of services to find out if you're part of a data breach, there are more legitimate services to use. So go check out things like Troy Hunt's haveibeenpwned.com. Uh, so haveibeenpwned.com. Great service. It doesn't. They don't reveal the actual passwords or anything. They just let you know if your email address has been in a data breach. Great service. And Firefox um, and Chrome are hooking into that now, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Troy Hunt's a cool dude. It's a great service. The guy deserves a lot of accolades for running a nice, neat service like this. I think it's great. I don't have a Troy Hunt sticker on my laptop or anything. Uh, <laughs> and finally, uh, think twice before giving any kind of web service your personal information. I think we now need to expect in modern days that when you fill in a form and give someone your usernames and it's passwords and anything, it's going to end up in a Along public Along with place. your photos. It's so, it's so depressingly true now, isn't it? I mean, Duck made a really interesting point that there's now more breach data available on the internet than there are people alive. Yeah. Like as in there's more billions of personally identifiable information records then there are people. So like, if you ever go, oh, I wonder if I've been part of a data breach. The answer now is, yeah, almost certainly. The saving grace in it though, is if you've got uh, 12 billion records, the individual value of each of those records is very, very low. The value is in the aggregate. 
yeah. when you see mm. these giant sort of fatbergs of data being passed around, yeah, yeah. like 8 billion, 12 billion records, they're, they're at the end of their life. Yeah. They've been thoroughly exhausted and aggregated and, and yeah. um, you know, you may see those passwords reappearing in sextortion emails, I suppose. Thanks, Greg. You're very welcome. Aw, Mark, on to you. Oh, it's me. Yeah, you're going to tell us a story about how not to break bad news to customers. I am. I am. I'm just going to shock you. I'm going to start with a question. <gasps> Whoa. That's never happened before, has it? No. I think Mark's ever asked it. It's we're going, very new. We're going to go crazy, though, because this is a rhetorical question. Oh. So you don't care what we answer with. <laughs> I will. I'll come back to my question at the end, and then you can tell me what you think. Okay. So this is a story about Sonos, makers of smart speakers. Hold on. You haven't given us the question. <laughs> That's how much I care about your answer. <laughs> All right, if you must. Here's my question. <laughs> Make it good after yeah. all that. It is a good question. How long are you entitled to receive software updates? Sorry, we should add in a... Ooh. Ooh. Okay, and then you'll actually let us answer that later. That was active listening. Well done, Greg. Good, good work. <laughs> So this is about Sonos. Actually, Greg, I need a bit of help here because you're a bit younger than me. Does anybody in this room own any Sonos kit? No. So Sonos makes smart speakers. So I say they're speakers, but they're not really speakers. They're more like computers. Right. And they form this sort of grid network in your home. And the idea is that you can listen to any tune you like in any room you like. And they're, they're, they've been around for a while, but they're now designed to work very nicely with all this home assistance. So things like Google Home and your Amazon Alexa. And it's all terribly modern. And fancy um, and internetty. 2020. Yep. Now, up until the 21st of January 2020, Sonos had a reputation for looking after its older products. Um, but it doesn't anymore. Tell us why it doesn't, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so it all started okay. at the back end of last year when Sonos announced that it was going to allow customers to trade in its older products at uh, a 30% discount on new products. So give us your old stuff and we'll give you new stuff for less money. That was the carrot. The stick turned up a couple of months later with an announcement on the 21st of January, which goes like this. We've now come to a point where some of the oldest products have been stretched to their technical limits in terms of memory and processing power. Because remember, these are computers, they're not just speakers. Sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you at the limit of your memory and process? We, no, absolutely. Are, are you about to announce your end of life? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. What were your Reddit users think of that joke, Greg? Uh, I don't know. Morbid? Could... Shall I go back to my story? Please do. Okay, so the really serious part of this story is this announcement from Sonos. We've come to a point where some of the oldest products have been stretched to their technical limits in terms of memory and processing power, it said. So from May 2020 onwards, so-called legacy products will no longer receive software updates and new features. Right. Now, that's important because if you think about these speakers as being a computer rather than a speaker, mm -hmm. what it means is you buy your speaker and then over time it actually gets better as the company releases uh, more features for it. So it's actually improving the announcement goes on to say that without new software updates, access to services and overall functionality of your sound system will eventually be disrupted, particularly as partners evolve their technology. So according to the announcement, the legacy products in question were the Connect, Connect Amp, Play 5, CR200 and Bridge products. Now, all of these products were launched between 2006 and 2009, which puts them in the Old. same general... Yeah, so it's the same generation as iPod music players with a clicky wheel and a spinning oh, and a spinning hard disk. Oh, I liked them. I like the clicky noise. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they were brilliant. Yeah. They were much better they than were everything very, that very had come old. before until something came after them, and then like fifteen years passed, and here we are, and we've got iPhones. Um, so I mean, these are old things. So is it? The question is, is it really that bad that they're stopping software updates to these things? I mean, well, how much? Sorry, I was going to say, how much time did they give people? I, I I think you said the date, but how much time do people actually get? Where like this is going to stop getting updates? Were they given like a couple of years ahead, uh, like heads up? Uh, four months. Four months. Okay, that's pretty. That's pretty mean. And so also, the thing some people like retro technology. Like some people just prefer to have old stuff. But you get to continue to like your retro technology, um, but it now comes with problems. Right. Basically, so you can continue to use it. So it's, but, yeah, and it's fair enough, right? They, it's sort of fair enough, isn't it? They're stopping support. The well, uh, stuff. let me let me. Uh, the thing that stuck out to me 
was although these were things that were launched between 2006 and 2009, if you're an end user, you don't care when your product mm. was launched. What you care about is when did you buy it? Mm. And at least one of these products was still on sale in 2015. Right, right. okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. so... Sure, it was launched people. in 2006, 2007, yeah. whatever. But you could have bought it brand new in 2015, in which case you bought a product that's, you know, only going to receive updates for four years, which is very different than, you know, comparing it to an old clicky iPhone. Yeah, yeah. But that isn't the worst bit. The news that really lit up Twitter, that was squirreled away, not in the announcement that I was talking about, but an accompanying support Q&A, said... Customers with both legacy and modern products can continue to use your whole system in legacy mode. In this case, it will stop receiving updates and new features. So what they're saying is if you've got old kit, your old kit will stop getting new updates and features. If your old kit is plugged into new kit, your new kit will also stop getting updates and new features. Whoa. So if you bought it in January and it's plugged into something that you bought in 2015, it's one of those old legacy products you're not going to receive that oh, stream right. of new features anymore. It's the whole ecosystem yeah. they got, right? It's like, because you buy, because it's all the speakers connect together and build like a big magical, mm. you know, speaker network. But you have the kind of central aggregator that kind of they all connect to and that's the one you kind of do all the control through. Mm. So, I mean, this is, I guess the big problem here is like, you, people probably bought that and then bought a couple of more speakers. But as they got more into the ecosystem, they added some more, got some new ones and put them in the in the bedroom and in the bathroom. And, and then you're suddenly told, oh, by the way, the bit that, knits these all together mm. that that's now we're not going to support that anymore you've got to buy a new one of those and yeah you're gonna to have to reconnect everything back to it and do people know how to do that do they have tech support people to do that so, yeah wow yeah it sounds like for some people it's going to be a little bit of a an upheaval yeah and worse even than that putting my security hat on neither the announcement nor the support page mentioned security updates mm. so i read the announcement and it specifically mentions both updates and new features, from which I conclude that when it says updates, it doesn't mean new features. It means something separate. So therefore, an update presumably is some kind of fix Yeah. if it's not a new feature. And security fixes, you know, I read that to mean, okay, if I'm not going to get updates, I'm not going to get security fixes, and that's bad. Anyway, the news improved slightly for Sonos customers. Two days later, on the 23rd of January, Sonos CEO Patrick Spence wrote an open letter to his customers that starts, we heard you, we didn't get this right from the start. Oh, good job. In it, he mentions security updates for the first time, saying, while legacy Sonos products won't get new software features, we pledge to keep them updated with bug fixes and security patches dot 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 for as long as possible so not an open-ended commitment to maintain security yeah. updates well, but enough. at least he has acknowledged them and at least you'll be getting them for a mm, period of time whatever that turns out tomorrow to be. um and on the subject of depriving the new products of updates he wrote we're working on a way to split your system so that modern products work together and get the latest features while legacy products work together and remain in their current state. So they were clearly that the, most of this announcement is actually a clarification that your Sonos system is going to continue to work. It was always going to continue to work. It just wasn't going to get new updates. Yeah. And the new part in this is that they're obviously now looking at how they can get your new stuff and your old stuff to play together nicely so that your new stuff can get updates. But they clearly hadn't planned for that. It does say they're now trying to figure out how to do that. Um, and what's interesting about this story for me is all the shock and horror and the missteps and the clarifications, for me, they're all symptoms of the fact that there's basically no blueprint for this. There is no sort of communal understanding or de facto standard for how long you should expect things to work in this new world where, you know, even a thing, like a, a thing you buy in a shop, like a piece of hardware, is actually, you know, most of the interesting stuff is in the software. Yeah. And it's about the, the, the software updates that, that keep it alive and keep it fresh. Mm. So back to my original question. Which is now not rhetorical? How? Oh. Yeah, it's no longer rhetorical. <laughs> You're allowed to answer, although I can't promise to be interested in your answer. <laughs> so how long are you entitled to receive software updates? Because clearly the outrage is because people feel that there is that they're entitled to receive software updates mm. and the same thing happens with microsoft end of life something and actually you spoke last week about python 2 mm. and about their, their originally they were going to kill it i think seven years after they said they were going to yeah. kill it 
but it blindsided a whole bunch of people because seven years is not long enough to plan <laughs> for your changing your programming language from Pro- Python 2 to Python 3. That's a really good comparison because at least with something like Python or even like things like Microsoft's on, they make it very clear up front probably at the time you acquire the technology, when there's going to be it, they'll say like, it will be supported to this day at a minimum. Like most, yep. you know, big vendors will say, look, you're, we're going to maintain software updates and security updates to a minimum of this date. And I think that's something I want to know. I want to know if I buy this bit of tech, when are you going to promise to me that I, you will keep this secure and up to date until this date? Because I can then make that decision, okay, this technology dies in five years time. Am I happy for the cost, you know, the cost it's going to have, Am I happy to pay for that? Is that good value for five years? Whereas if I buy like, you know, it's like a lot of this IoT technology and why I'm I'm not a big fan of IoT in general, because you see like an IoT light bulb, which connects to Wi-Fi. It's like, well, how long does a light bulb last for? And it's a disposable bit of technology. How long are they going to support this for? And I don't want to connect anything to my Wi-Fi or anything <laughs> if, if it's not actually a secure device. Um, I come from, you know, I used to work in a support organization a very long time ago and dealing with a lot of malware outbreaks. And they almost always broke out because of the unprotected device. So, you know, these Sonos speakers, once they stop getting security updates, just become these targets that no one's keeping an eye on, no one's securing, no one's fixing. And become a you know a, a prime target for uh, for hackers and so on. A great way to sneak inside a network, sit on that device. It's not going to get patched. You're gonna you know once you find a vulnerability, you can live there in that network indefinitely. So I think whilst I don't want someone to say like oh it, you get a minimum of five years or something, I just want to know upfront with my technology what's the minimum date you're going to support it for, so at least I can make an informed decision. Yeah, that I, makes sense. I would agree with that. But I, I do think as well that there we're going to have to arrive at some kind of consensus in the mm. way that Project Zero has sort of enforced a consensus on how long, you, how long you're allowed to wait yeah. before you fix a bug. You know, a few years ago, it could be anything from, you know, never to, <laughs> you know, a few hours. Yeah. And Project Zero has done a very good job of saying, okay, it's going to be like 90 days. 90 days is long enough to, for you to learn about the bug from a, a researcher, to figure out how, what's going on and to fix it and mm. get your patches out there. And that, that's been, I think, quietly transformational. And I would like to see something like that for the lifespan of products. Yeah. That, that when I buy a product, yes, it says the end of life for the software is going to be in eight years or ten years, but also that there isn't this great variety between products. Because I think... If you buy a Chromebook now, your Chromebook is limited by how long Google will provide updates for. And it's nowhere near as long as you would think. It's only about three or four years or something like that. Android has the same problem. And I mean, most operating systems have this problem. I think where the Sonos devices and and other IoT devices have the big problem is that they use something like Linux or Unix. And the reason they use it is because it's cost effective. You can just take it. It's your code. You can just completely own it. At, but it means you're responsible for keeping it up to date. And so a lot of these devices, they took a snapshot of a Linux version, they tested, they wrote all their software for it, they tested against that version, mm-hmm. and they're really reluctant to ever upgrade it. And I think that's where then you end up with this, you know, every different IoT device runs a different version of Linux with different software packages, and it means there's no unified or common, uh, you know, operating system platform that means all of them use that and keep up to date. Because you see this in Docker, Docker is one of those container yeah. technologies for virtualized apps. So, you know, you put it in a container, you can ship it anywhere on any server. It runs the same. And they, If you can get it working in the first can, place. <laughs> but they, they've all pretty much like doubled down on Alpine Linux, I believe, is like the de facto, that's the Linux template every Docker image is made from. But what it means is that like there's one operating system that everyone's keeping up to date and every Docker container, you know, that leverages this same common operating system. So it does mean it's a lot easier to support stuff long term. Whereas if everyone takes some random snapshot of Linux and then throws it on their little speaker device, and it, but it's a very expensive task for that company to support it long term. And I think that's a, a other site by themselves. Um, and I think this is where you know teaming up with you know either you know a co- like a like a canonical or a big company that makes an operating system like this and partner with them so you can at least make the security updates and so on a li- at least a little bit a little bit more trivial. Than it currently is but there's today. A, there's another part to that as well, though, which is that let's say you're the first person to invent some fantastic new product, and now you're tied into supporting that and providing new features for ten years. Mm. If somebody else turns up eight years later with a much better version of that product without the same legacy burden, yeah, then 
they can very easily outmaneuver you. So yeah. I, I sort of see the commercial pressure. You know, I don't care that much, but I see the commercial pressure on a company like Sonos, and you know their success becomes something that they have to manage. If everybody thinks that they're owed software updates for free forever, yeah. Um, actually, that's a that's a difficult position. It's oh yeah, hard to maneuver and again, situation. I think why at least if they can just offer a minimum, I think that would help us all out. And upfront, like the day I buy their tech, I want to know what's the minimum date. You know, I buy this today, I get until. 2025 at a minimum and then I make my decision based on that and I have no expectation it's going to work beyond 2025 that way at least I don't buy it because I think when you buy a speaker you don't expect it to suddenly not be usable anymore I've got you know like some really nice Yamaha speakers from like the 70s they're still is it the 70s maybe the 80s absolutely fine work to this day (laughs) (laughs) I think you personally met them didn't you (laughs) well thank you guys Um, and thank you Alice for your contributions you're very welcome where can we find you on social media greg you can find me on the twitters <laughs> as at secbug, uh short for security bug uh you can also find me on reddit as well as slash u slash sec bug so feel free to reach also out also short for security bug also short for security wow. bug there's a commonality there there is reach out hang out chat i love it please say nice things about the podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. Or nasty things, but just don't put them publicly. Say them to me privately, and then we can have like a <laughs> yeah, a battle. Don't say anything negative publicly if you don't want that. <laughs> Al Duckett, where can we find you? Um, you can find me at Ali Rouge on Twitter, and I'm not on Reddit. But you are on Tinder. I am on Shh, Tinder. No, she's not. Shh. As Ali Rouge. No, I'm not. Unfortunately for everybody Aww. listening, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not on Tinder. <laughs> Mark Stockley? Uh, you can find me at Mark Stockley on Twitter if you want to see the occasional grum- grumble. Uh, but occasional? There's quite well, a Well, I, I grumble regular. occasionally on Twitter. I mean, I grumble continuously in real life. <laughs> right, but, okay. But I treat the Twitter sphere to my grumblings sparsely. But if you're interested in chickens and bees and things like that, then follow at Internet Friends. Which, of course, I Also am. the occasional loaf of sourdough. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Does sound pretty riveting. riveting yeah. Yeah. Where, <laughs> where can we find you, Bradders? Uh, mm, I'm at Anna Brady on Twitter, and that's it. We are also at Naked Security on Twitter and Instagram. So go find us. Hit us up on our YouTube channel, Alice. What is it? What well, is it? I mean, surprisingly, I think it's it is actually Naked Security, naked security. by Sophos. <laughs> so on that note, until next time, stay, stay secure. secure.